once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 302 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live via Facebook on Thursday, January 19th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, January 23rd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Quinters. Hello, everybody. So, Tony, what do we have coming up this week? Well, this week we trek out a new documentary in the works that's all about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and we've got good news and bad news about Star Trek Discovery. In Star Trek Online, we've got details of the new Lucari Restoration Initiative, and there's a new YouTube series using Star Trek Online to show us around some of the most iconic locations in Star Trek. Finally, our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hurt, is back with another report from the Astrometrics Lab. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll be opening hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget that we'd love to keep the conversation going throughout the week. Just visit us at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Now, for those of you listening who have heard me talking about Patreon before but aren't quite sure what it is, Patreon.com is essentially a crowdfunding website that connects content creators like us with supporters like you. Patreon is an incredible website that makes it easy for you to pledge support for the things you love. Now, it might be us, or it might be another creator, or a combination of several. Patreon makes it easy for you to show your support directly to creators and to manage what you give to everyone. Now, if you like our show and want to help keep us going, you can actually become a patron for as little as $1 a month. I would encourage you to check it out. The website is p-a-t-r-e-o-n, patreon.com, forward slash priority one. And once again, I want to extend our sincere thanks to all of our patrons for their continued support. Now, let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jump what places. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Well, it looks like Will Wheaton is now a harbinger of death. CNET contributor Amanda Kuser picked up a tweet from NASA scientist Ron Balke's account announcing that, quote, Asteroid 391257 has been named in honor of Will Wheaton, end quote. Now, this asteroid isn't coming anywhere near us, not according to the orbit mapped out. But with just our luck, as retribution for all the years people picked on Wesley, it'll get bumped by some other object and come hurtling towards Earth. Thanks, Wesley! <laughs> So this leads us to our first community question. Are you ready for Doomsday, brought on by our latest harbinger of death, asteroid 391257 Will Wheaton? (laughs) Just kidding. We love Will Wheaton, really. And to be clear, this asteroid is not on an impact course with Earth. We're we're only joking. It's it's a joke. Well, I don't see the problem here because Wesley always like managed to like pull people's bacon out of the fire. So 
if the Will That's Wheaton true. asteroid was headed for Earth, we would just call Will Wheaton and say, do your thing, do your, do your stuff. Josh Tro in the uh, Facebook chat goes, now you can call it Wesley City Crusher. Uh, okay, took me a second. All right. So we've got some news for you DS9 fans out there, which is why Elijah is not reading this part. Ira Bear, DS9 showrunner, has been hard at work producing a documentary titled DS9, What We Left Behind. Produced by 455 Films, which has produced four other Star Trek documentaries, including For the Love of Spock, Chaos on the Bridge, The Captains, and William Shatner's Get a Life. Uh, this documentary will take a look at the, quote, black sheep, end quote, spin-off of the Star Trek franchise. Not only will they be interviewing fans of the series, but they intend to include interviews with the original cast and bring the writers together to chat about a theoretical eighth season. Joining Ira Bear in the production of this documentary is Adam Nimoy, who issued an announcement regarding his participation in an email blast to his followers back in December. Now, the documentary has a website that, although just a static page, allows you to sign up for a newsletter. They also created a Twitter account, at DS9Doc, that's D-O-C. Links will both be in the show notes, of course. Okay, look, I may not be the biggest Deep Space Nine fan. It might be my least favorite of the series. <gasps> um, but, but I do enjoy documentaries. I know that Tony doesn't, but I do enjoy documentaries. And I've particularly enjoyed the ones that have been produced by this studio. But I've, I've watched Chaos on the Bridge, The Captains, mm-hmm. and Will Shatner's Get a Life. Um, the captains was really good. I really enjoyed that those interviews because you were given the chance to sit down with each captain and have a really in-depth conversation as to the impact of Star Trek in their lives, mm-hmm. you know, as an actor, as a family. Um, I'm looking forward to this documentary. I watched the captains and I, I don't like the documentaries, but I did watch the captains and they I don't know what exactly what they're doing with Avery Brooks in that one and that one might make <laughs> that one might make the DS9 uh, documentary also a little challenging as well if the similar interview style is presented uh, with Benjamin Sisko uh, so that one could be that could be that could be a challenge on this one mm. but I want to talk about the theoretical eighth season come on yeah that sounds really interesting to me okay now to be fair I haven't finished watching DS9 what's interesting oh, to me about alert, it, it ends. I know I know. Um, what's interesting to me is that um, to get the writers together and talk about what, what they would have liked to do with it, I think is a really interesting concept. We, we haven't really seen that in other documentaries, so um, I'd, I'd be quite interested. Winters, you've seen the finale of DS9, right? Yeah, I have, and I was just thinking about it. I mean, you know, what we left behind wrapped things up pretty well. Just with a, a bow. You know, like, it was the end of the Dominion War... I don't see where the eighth season would have went. Ah, uh, well, no, but they they would have wrapped it up knowing partway through the seventh season that it was going to end. So if that hadn't been the case, where would it? Where would they have gone throughout that last season and into the next one? That's the kind. That's probably what they're going to talk about, because you know pretty early on what if it's being canceled. I, again, I, I mean, you haven't seen it. I mean, so I'm going to let. I don't, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Don't spoil anything. <laughs> I could be completely spoil, wrong about everything. So. We don't want to spoil anything. But much like uh, Ronald D. Moore's next show, Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. it tied it all up with a bow, and it was yep. done. And it was the it, this. They told these people stories. We watched them grow and change as characters. They had a big fight. Climactic things happened. It all went to hell in a handbasket, and then somehow pulled it back from the brink. And it's done. It's done. Not only that, we but... We don't need to talk about it. If if they 
did continue the Dominion War into an eighth season, I think oh. that it would have dragged on, at, you know, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Undeniably. So this is a good opportunity for a more serious community question. What would you hope is discussed and or addressed in a Deep Space Nine documentary? Well, when it comes to Star Trek Discovery, the new series slated to debut on CBS All Access in America and on Netflix everywhere else, we have some good news and some bad news to share, which broke on Entertainment Weekly January 18th. So which do you want to hear first? I'm pretty sure our sound bite that leads into this says we only want to hear good news. So Yeah, good news, please. Probably ought to go there first. Okay, so we are definitely going to have known canon characters that have already been established by the franchise. It seems that Spock's father, Sarek, will be in the storyline, and the actor playing him is James Frain. For those of you that watch Gotham, he played Mayor Theo Gallivan, a.k.a. Azrael. The other good news is that according to a union website for actors, it was posted that a show titled Green Harvest is scheduled to begin shooting on January 24th in Toronto. Now, we think that Green Harvest is the codename used for Discovery because it's got all the headliners and showrunners on the post. Plus, we heard from Doug Jones last week on IGN that he was scheduled to start later this month for a, quote, good chunk of time, end quote. And that's all the good news I got. Uh. Okay. Time for the really bad news. I hope you're sitting down for this one. I'll give you a second. Star Trek Discovery is no longer going to premiere in May. Not only have they delayed it, but they have not yet suggested a new premiere date. This is now the second time this show has been delayed. If you recall, it was originally supposed to debut in January and was later pushed to May under Brian Fuller's advisement. Why, you might ask? Well... Here's what the Entertainment Weekly article had to say, quote, There's a concern about marketplace confusion if CBS were to ramp up promoting Sonequa Martin-Green as the star of a new sci-fi show while her horror hit The Walking Dead is currently on the air. The other reason is there's still a lot of careful deliberation continuing to go into making Discovery special, from the choice of directors to set design to the special effects. End quote. When Entertainment Weekly reached out to CBS for a statement, their reply was, quote, Production on Star Trek Discovery begins next week. We love the cast, the scripts, and are excited about the world the producers have created. This is an ambitious project. We will be flexible on a launch date if it's best for the show. We've said from the beginning it's more important to do this right than do it fast. There is also added flexibility presenting CBS on All Access, which isn't beholden to season premieres or launch windows. End quote. So I'm thinking to myself, has something like this ever happened? Like, is this a normal thing that goes on in television production of shows where things get pushed and delayed all the time? And the only reason that we're kind of aware of it is because of Star Trek? So... I reached out to the only person that I really know that works in the industry, like as a producer and has worked in it, is Skiffy. Um, and what, the, I think the point generally that he tried to make was that, you know, it, it's not normal. It's not a normal thing that occurs for shows to get delayed and pushed. Normally by now, this show would have been canned. Also, the difference is that at, at this stage of production, most of the public would not have even known the show existed. Here's where I think the mistake was made. Instead of saying the show will be out in 2017, sometime in 2017, they committed to a January deadline. 
Then they couldn't do that. And then they moved to May. And now they can't even commit to the May deadline. Like Skiffy said, by now, a show like this probably would not be in development. But CBS is counting on, on the Star Trek franchise and the lore to, to fuel, to, to continue fueling the, the flames. Mm -hmm. No, I was going to say the other thing that I, I take um, issue with uh, is the CBS statement, Tony, that you read, which was they said... Uh, that there is also added flexibility presenting on CBSL access, which isn't beholden to seasonal premieres or launch windows, which I think is just plain wrong. Because, Pete, okay, it's true that you're not necessarily competing against television shows directly, but humans, the people who watch the television shows, we only have our time, and our time is pretty well patterned. If you try to launch something on CBS All Access in the middle of September sweeps week, nobody's going to be watching the internet. They're going to be watching the new premieres in, on the actual television because that's what they already do. Well, in theory, they'll be able to do that on CBS All Access. But only the CBS premiere. They're just, they're just not going to be there. It's, it's silly for them to try and launch that show when everyone is going to be sitting down in front of their television and then they're going to try and ask people to to step away from their television and turn on their computer. I think, I, I think, I just completely disagree with that statement. I take I take umbrage with that as an excuse. This has been mishandled already from the beginning. I mean, there's just no going around that, mm -hmm. right? If they wanted to release this show, they really just should have said out in 2017. And that's it. And then like 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 anything else that's ever handled in terms of entertainment media, the fans just gotta wait eagerly yeah. and then oh look a little tweet here and a little tweet there and oh and then finally when 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 casting was done, when you know, when all of this was going on, then lay out a plan and say, Okay, we're we're aiming for the fall or we're aiming for the spring of two thousand seventeen. Look, this show's gonna come out. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, like they, they've already... oh, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right <laughs> there. Okay? All right. All right. We are right. now officially done with predictions on this show. Of, the, of this show, on this show. All right, we're done. Because here's the thing. I have this other show, the Garden Frequency Show. We started that show in uh, December of 2013, and it was announced that the video game that we were covering would be done in November of 2014. So we're like... This sounds like great. We'll cover a year of the game's development. It is now January 2017, and the game is not out. And they made the same mistakes at that company that CBS has been making here. They have delays. They have management problems. They have personnel problems. They have cast problems. They have technical problems. They have all kinds of problems that we are not hearing about. There are many problems. We don't know what they are, and we're not going to know, and we don't need to know. That's fine. But there are many of them. Any one of them would have already, as Skiffy said, killed any other show that didn't have Star Trek in the right. title. The only reason right. this thing still has legs is because it has Star Trek in the title. What CBS has now done to themselves, wrapped that noose around their neck, is they have promised a show, they have given a timeline, they have ruined the timeline, and they have we have very little confidence in their management at this point to get back on a timeline. So... Mm -hmm. Combine all those things together, even with Star Trek, even with CBS All Access trying to hitch this pony to this new wagon that they're trying to push out there, this new technology that everyone else already has, even that has going to have limits. And even that could kill Star Trek. I mean, it, it there will be an amount of money, I don't know what that is, that could say, 
we can't. It's just it's too much. It's just too much. And CBS All Access isn't working out the way we thought it would. We're having other problems uh, with it, and it's just we can't do it. So we're I, I can't make in good conscience any more predictions about this show on our show. Now I'm uh, I'm I always like to try and take an optimistic viewpoint, and I think so far I've tried to be the voice of no guys we just you know this is a good thing and here's why um i'm finding it difficult um now especially when i'm starting to think through okay so may's a no-go when's the next opportunity for them to launch this show and i don't think there's another opportunity until january of 2018 and is that then that's is that then too long but to be fair, you know, it's not all doom and gloom because, you know, maybe we'll have a Star Trek film to look forward to between now and then. Yeah, and you know oh, what that gosh. was called? Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when they take a script that was designed for television and mishmash it all up to look like something else, that's what it's called, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, no, no, I'm referring to Star Trek Four with a... Oh, Arabic four. numeral four, not not four. IV four. Yeah, I'm talking about the one with with, with Chris with, Hemsworth. With Chris Hemsworth, yeah. By yeah. the time that Star Trek Discovery gets made, uh, we might oh. have already had. No, the and let's not forget Kelvin and, time. And let's film. not forget that they are under contract between CBS and Paramount. They can't produce something without a eight month time gap. Or yeah. Oh day. boy. Oh, fun. Oh, no. See? Do you, you guys, see we what have I, to stop talking about this. Do you see what I mean? No more predictions. We can't because there are just too many no, moving parts no. here that we can't see. We can't see oh. any of this stuff. We just... Yeah. yeah. It's not gonna, I want to almost, like, forget that they had announced the date. I want to forget that they made yeah. that mistake twice. Yeah. Move it from I want to forget. Oops. I want to forget that they ever said a date. I just want to now enjoy... The little trickles of things that we get. But I want to forget that they've made two egregious errors. I want to forget. Well, two that we know about. <laughs> right. Oh, let's not forget they let Brian Fuller go. Let's not forget the three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. All right. It's going to be okay. I don't think so. <laughs> it's going to be okay. So. We're going to have a weekly segment of Kenna just saying it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be fine, guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll always have reruns. Like like Paris, we'll always yeah. have reruns. No, because I, I bet you no. Take them off Netflix. They're going to take them off Netflix. This is all speculation, yeah. mind you. This is all speculation. Yeah, I don't know any of this. This is why we shouldn't do any more predictions. <laughs> this is why we shouldn't do it. There's no just... rumors or anything. There is nothing to suggest that that will actually happen. Yes. I, I I hasten to add, uh, but just in case, go and buy the Blu-rays. Captains, we're not going to ask a community question because I think that you'll voice your opinions. And share them with us no matter what. And we look forward to that. <laughs> yes. Now, sure. let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News, where today we're gearing up for the launch of Season 12, Reckoning, which lands on PC on Thursday of this week. To start off, we've got some details on the new reputation system, the Lucari Restoration Initiative. Like other reputation systems, you level up by earning Lucari Marks. You can do this via the new Gravity Kills or Zenkethi Front PvE queues, or by completing tasks in the new Zenkethi Battle Zone. Completing the queues on advance can also earn you Elite Marks called Protomatter Microcontainer, 
containers, which you'll need in order to buy some of the high-end reputation gear. As you level up within the reputation, you'll unlock the ability to purchase specialized gear and weapons through the reputation store. Now I had a look through the gear on offer and most of it is going to lean towards specialized builds. Space, for instance, seems to lean towards what Cryptic calls a combat-ready support vessel. One interesting piece is the warp slash singularity core, which comes equipped with point jump technology, which claims to, quote, move to a point in front of a friend to heal them or in front of an enemy to attack, end quote. Now, I've not used this ability yet, so I can't say exactly what that will do, but captains who like a bit of creative gameplay might find it fun. I doubt it will become a game-changing piece of equipment. The same can probably be said for the space set bonus. What you would get for acquiring two, three, or four pieces of the Lucari space set is probably going to be a little niche for most players. We're talking buffs for healing abilities and enhancements to the point jump ability, and at any rate, I won't be giving up my Iconian three-piece set for it anytime soon. The Lucari Restoration Initiative also awards traits as you increase your rank, and there are a couple of interesting ones in there that are worth a look. The Viral Overload Ground and Space Traits at Tiers 1 and 2 disable systems on a critical hit. Ground crits disable weapons, and space crits disable impulse engines. At higher tiers, the traits can heal you when you're critically hit or have a chance to cause area of effect damage to enemies. Finally, at tier 5, the Piezoelectric Perimeter Snare is a clickable ground ability that roots enemies inside an area and causes electrical damage that partially ignores shields. Ultimately, I think most players won't use many of these traits except maybe to try them out, but like I said before, captains with some more specialized builds might find them fun to use. As with all reputation systems, there are also other goodies you can pick up in the reputation store along the way, like kit modules and consumables. And of course, don't forget the tailor unlocks. You're going to want to shell out for those sweet, sweet jumpsuits. And you can look forward to that when Season 12 Reckoning launches this Thursday, January 26th. Speaking of Reckoning, Cryptic is celebrating the launch of the new season with a live stream from their offices in California. Hosted by the new community manager, Mike Fadum, a.k.a. Ambassador Kel. The stream will feature artists Hector Ortiz and Michael Pinov, lead content designer Jadwa Ross, producer Maria Rosso, and executive producer Steven Rocosa. In addition to telling us about the new features of the game, they will also be taking questions from viewers. The Star Trek Online Season 12 livestream will take place on Friday, January 27th from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time on both their Facebook page and their Twitch page simultaneously. We'll leave a link to both in our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO302. Have you ever wondered exactly how much of Star Trek space is covered by the maps in Star Trek Online? Well, if you have, you'll want to check out a Reddit post by user the Sajukar, and it, he highlights on a Star Trek Galactic map the areas that are currently covered by STO. Spoiler alert, it's actually pretty small, although you could argue that Star Trek Online has captured the most commonly used areas. The graphic is interesting enough on its own, but the whole thread is worth a read. Environmental artist Nick Dugid, a.k.a. Tumor Boy, a.k.a. Taco Fangs, weighed in on the discussion, clarifying, for instance, the scales of the Alpha and Beta Quadrants compared to the Delta Quadrant. He says, quote, Each sector in the STO Delta Quadrant map is several hundreds of light years across. The in-game Delta Quadrant map is not at all to the same scale as the Alpha and Beta Quadrant maps. If we build it to the same scale as the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, the Delta Quadrant will need to be thousands of sectors long, end quote. He also adds later in the thread, quote, there are no canon maps, except for the couple you see on screens in the shows. Usually they're small sections, not galaxy maps, and even they contradict each other, end quote. 
Generally speaking, Star Trek Online maps are pretty accurate, but as this particular map shows, there's still a lot out there to expand into. See, now, I found his point about the fact that there's no canon maps quite interesting. And of course, when you say it out loud, it makes total sense. Well, I want to point out that this particular map is apparently agreed upon that it is the most accurate Star Trek map that has been compiled. Because mm. when they tore down the sector walls, this is the map, I believe, that Nick used when they were redesigning the Alpha and Beta quadrants. Uh, so this has actually come out before, but it hasn't had the actual quadrants that are in still highlighted like it is on this particular post. Mm -hmm. But it's the kind of thing that any Star Trek maps that are out there are they're sort of agreed upon by sort of consensus yeah. because they don't actually show galactic maps very often in the show so there's not really an awful lot to go on. I thought that was really, really interesting and surprising actually. And a 2D map. A 2D map doesn't really work for space anyway. <laughs> exactly. Seeing as how you've you got to do three dimensions. Uh, one of the other games I play, Elite Dangerous, they actually try to simulate the Milky Way galaxy that are in the real position that we can observe. Mm -hmm. But then once you get past a certain point, we can't observe individual stars because it's all just kind of background mess. You know, it's just radiation. We just can't mm. distinguish individual origin points. So I wonder how far out this map goes. Do we get to the point where, well, past so many light years, it's just kind of undifferentiated mess? Or are we still... Probably, I mean, the Delta Quadrant for sure is because it's on the other side of the center, but mm -hmm. I wonder how much the Alpha and Beta Quadrant we could actually observe. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I thought was very interesting was that if you look at the the full map of explored things that have been explored in Star Trek, there's actually quite a lot outside of what's currently covered by the Star Trek Online maps, which is good news. There's a lot of potential there. Well, we're talking about maps as well. Something else that just occurred to me, we probably are near the maximum limit that the Alpha and Beta Quadrants can be expanded to. Yeah, we are, without redrawing the maps. Yeah, I believe it can go 8 by 8 Yeah, is what Nick said. Sounds about right, yeah. And uh, both the Alpha and Beta Quadrants are going to be 7 by 5 or 6 or something like that. So yeah. there is not much more space that they can do without running into problems. Yeah, that's a limitation of their... Their engine. Their engine, exactly. So if it was important enough and they needed to expand the Alpha Quadrant, they theoretically could do, but they would have to redraw the boundaries of all the sectors. Or go back to transitions and stuff like that. Have a draw a border between Alpha and Beta Quadrant, have the Alpha and then the Beta. Yeah. Back to the old ways. But of course, we still have to guess the Gamma Quadrant is going to come into the game at some point and yeah, i was wondering when someone was going to mention the gamma quadrant yeah and uh, you know they can expand upon the delta quadrant as well mm, yeah but that's for another time yes well all of that discussion really leads us very neatly into our next story youtube user ketwalski has started a new series exploring iconic locations in star trek and using star trek online to take us on a tour he says quote Using books, encyclopedias, graphic novels, TV shows, and films, I will be piecing together the lore of countless locations in Star Trek. And with a little help from Star Trek Online, we will be visiting these locations in person." End quote. Each video in the ongoing series is only a few minutes long, so they're easy to watch, and they play almost like a tourist video for the various locations. It's highly enjoyable, and for the series so far, I give it two thumbs up. And it really isn't just him walking his character around Starfleet Academy. There's a lot of information. You need to listen to it. And it's, it's quite interesting. So I hope he keeps up with it and I hope we get to see an awful lot more locations. So I like this because it actually reminds me of 
The Matrix Online. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wait, I've just finished my drink. So one of the things about a game like this is the fact that you can go and visit these iconic scenes that you saw on film or television. Like, I remember The Matrix Online was my first, like, diehard MMO. And I remember logging in and visiting spots that were in the film and totally geeking out. Completely, 100%. So I almost take for granted now, because we've been covering Star Trek Online for so long, I take for granted the fact that I can visit Vulcan. I can visit Starfleet Academy. I can visit Quonos. And that is awesome. The fact that you can live the experience that you've been watching for over 50 years. Yeah. It's pretty epic. It's like, you should be geeking out. Yeah, you can't minimize that. I remember, I actually remember the first time I logged into Star Trek Online and I got past the character creator and got to Earth Space Dock. I remember setting virtual foot on Earth Space Dock for the first time and I remember the sounds in the background of Earth Space Dock and I was completely beside myself because I was like, I am actually in Earth Space Dock right now. And I kept doing that for <laughs> for a couple of months, I'd say. Every time I came across a new location that I was like, oh my god, it's so-and-so. We take it for granted now because we've been playing it for years, but those places are amazing and watching it back through Ketwalski's eyes with all the additional information, it, it it brings it all back around again for me. I had a similar experience, but it was actually um, just down on Starfleet Academy, and I could see the San Francisco Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is so cool. You know, somewhere that you had seen so many times on the show, yeah. and here you are now, and you're actually walking around and exploring, going, this is really cool. The first time I visited San Francisco, I went to the, you know, I was in the Bay Area, and I went to see the Golden Gate Bridge, and it was shortly after or during the first JJ film, and they had an app where if you like checked into the local areas, it would like flag. So I was in that Bay Area by the Golden Gate Bridge and Golden Gate Park, and my phone went off and was like, you earned a point because you visited Starfleet Academy. I was like, I visited Starfleet Academy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was, I was really excited. Oh my God. I pause here for a moment because here's another thing that Walski focuses on a moment while visiting Vulcan is the monument, the in-game monument raised for Leonard Nimoy yep. or Ambassador Spock. When Leonard Nimoy passed away, the team at Cryptic Studios put together a statue in the middle of Vulcan where you can visit and pay your respects. They also put one up on a new Romulus as well. So again, these are things that you can experience. And finally this week, in a bit of console news, but just for one of the two consoles, this week, Microsoft announced a special promotion that means that some Star Trek Online players could earn themselves a bit of extra swag just by telling their friends about the game. I'm telling you, sharing is caring. Share prior to a podcast with your friends. <laughs> Members of the Xbox Live Rewards program are eligible for a special program called Freedom Rewards, with emphasis on the free, designed to drive traffic to several free-to-play games in the Xbox Store. For a limited time, Xbox Live Rewards members can earn exclusive gifts by inviting their friends to play. Games in the referral promotion include Star Trek Online, Neverwinter, DC Universe Online, and World of Tanks. In Star Trek Online, referring a friend and having them spend at least $4.99 US dollar before tax earns you both a large XP boost worth $9.75 US. The spending threshold depends on your region, as does the value of the reward. 
But if you were thinking about getting a friend into the game, now's the time to do it. One note though, you will have to sign up for Xbox Live Rewards program before you are eligible. And all terms and conditions are available on the Xbox website. The Freedom Rewards promotion runs now through the 28th of February. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. Well, the only event on the horizon for PC is the 7th anniversary event and launch of Season 12, which happens this Thursday. Woohoo! But console players won't be left out. There's a Tholian Red Alert weekend coming up this Thursday, the 26th. Then on the 9th of February, there's a Dilithium weekend, and the weekend after that, February 16th, is an item upgrade weekend. As always, events are subject to change without notice, but be sure to keep your eyes on the in-game calendars or just keep listening to Priority One for more news and updates from Star Trek Online. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's head over to the Astrometrics Lab for another report from our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hurd. Enterprise has run into a lot of strange astrophysical phenomena over the years, but when's the last time you heard that Scotty had to clean spitballs out of the Bassard collectors? Well, it might be time to add those to the list of cosmic plot devices, according to results presented this month at a meeting of the American Astronomical Society in Texas. The story begins with black holes, some of the most amazing and probably misunderstood amongst all astronomical phenomena. They are collections of matter that are so dense that not even light itself can escape their gravitational pull once it crosses beyond the threshold known as the event horizon. This doesn't mean, however, that they are cosmic vacuum cleaners that would suck up every bit of matter that passes near them. As long as it's outside of the event horizon, it's got a fighting chance to make it back out somehow. Indeed, some of the most energetic areas of the entire universe are in the regions surrounding supermassive black holes that are thought to exist in the cores of pretty much every galaxy. In many galaxies, we find swirling disks of dust and gas heated to incredibly high temperatures as they orbit around these supermassive black holes. However, in other galaxies, like our own Milky Way, there isn't much material around the black hole directly. However, by watching the motions of stars at the center of the galaxy, We've seen them in complete orbits around some invisible but incredibly massive object about 4 million times the mass of our Sun. This is the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. As long as they're far enough away, stars can happily orbit this black hole for millions, even billions of years. But what happens to an occasional star that might stray very, very close to this massive monster? The gravitational tidal forces of such an encounter would literally rip the star to shreds, something that we think we've witnessed in occasional events in other galaxies. So what would happen to the material in that star when it's ripped apart? This is the question addressed by the research of Harvard undergraduate student Eden Girma during her presentation at the American Astronomical Society meeting. Since we can't exactly set up this kind of apocalyptic encounter in a laboratory, she did the next best thing work with computer code that helps us numerically simulate the effects of a gravitational encounter such as this. The simulations showed that planet-sized masses of material could be spit out from the shredding core of the star as it passed near the black hole. These so-called spitballs could have masses ranging anywhere from around the size of Neptune to several Jupiters and could be traveling as fast as 20 million miles an hour. That's fast enough to basically escape the gravitational field of the entire galaxy eventually reaching intergalactic space. 
If the Enterprise were to encounter one of these spitballs, it would probably look a lot like a hot gas giant planet, but one that was traveling at quite a clip. Fortunately, these aren't likely to be considered major navigational hazards in the future, as Germa estimates that only maybe one in a thousand of free-floating planets in interstellar space would be of the spitball variety. On a semi-related note in the topic of science and science fiction, anyone who finds himself in the Pasadena area this week might want to check out the Caltech campus on Wednesday night, January 25th, for a panel discussion on the topic of the science behind The Expanse, Sci-Fi Channel's new epic sci-fi series. The panel discussion is free for anyone to attend, but you'll have to go to the Caltech site and reserve tickets in advance if you want to be guaranteed a seat. And I will have the honor of moderating the panel, which will include several Caltech professors, as well as cast members and writers from The Expanse. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's go and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 301's first community question was, do you feel that Lockbox contents have become more or less exciting over time? Chris Zatofsky posted on Facebook, they don't excite me very much, if at all. Some Lockbox items are really good, but the chance to acquire them are so absurdly low that the best way to acquire them is actually buy keys to sell on the exchange, and then buy the item you want off the exchange with all the EC you've made. I completely agree with this. This, this so is exactly I. what I do. I don't gamble on the lockboxes. If there's something that I really want, I will just buy it straight out with EC on the exchange. The only reason why you would open lockboxes is if you want lobby. Yeah, for lobby ships. Uh, the question is, do you think that's only a, a, a relatively new thing since they upped the EC limit on the exchange? I mean, that was... I mean, no. No, this is a far back as, as I can remember. As far as I'm concerned, Star Trek Online has a pretty well-designed in-game economy. I mean, it's remarkably stable. I, I, it's remarkably stable. You know, there's the occasional inflation or whatever. You know, sometimes the Delithium Zen thing goes a little nuts when they introduce a new mechanic or a, a new prize or something. We talked about that a few weeks ago with the, uh, uh, the second chance box or whatever. Uh, but remarkably stable in-game economy. Uh, someone should write a paper on this thing. Uh, from Twitter, it's the X Factor says, Oh God, less. That monstrosity that was called the Sphere Builder's Box was horrid in every way. From Facebook, Bradley Manning, In my opinion, the content in lockboxes have grown neither more nor less exciting. I believe that they have grown more specialized over the years and that they sometimes have some interesting items. I like the you know what you know what I like the introduction of the traits that I do like. Oh, the genetic traits. I I I'd agree with that. I, I would actually say the most interesting lockbox is the infinity lockbox because you have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. You can, you can tweak it whichever way you'd like to, and I think that most people. Yeah, I think, but that goes against the the very nature of lockboxiness, right? I mean, you can you remind me again what the infinity lockbox was. The Infinity Lockbox is basically a combination of all previous lockboxes that came. So, for example, you may get an epic prize token, and you will be able to pick uh, one of the ships that is valued at the epic level. From Twitter, at IRobNJ, they are only exciting if you win the good stuff, which, of course, is rare. Unfortunately, mostly a waste of money. 
Our second community question posed in episode 301 was, more generally, is the lockbox model in Star Trek Online something that appeals to you as a player? From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell wrote, Never been a fan of the model, really. Some of the stuff inside the box is nice, though that fluctuates depending on which version, e.g. there's nothing in the Sphere Builder lockbox really piqued my interest. From Twitter, Captain Revo says, I actually like lockboxes, but they need to keep remaining fresh with interesting items, which is hard to do. The ships take care of themselves, but making those common to uncommon items desirable, that's the real trick. Have they ever been desirable? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, some of the uh, well, I guess they're in the uh, crafting boxes. I guess you know some of those accelerators, but that's a different kind of box. Yeah, those are genetic traits. Winter said genetic traits. Those are okay. Yeah, um, it's kind of few and far between, though. Yeah, I mean that's um, that's the trick, though, is that they you know the trick is you open a lockbox with a key that's worth about a buck, and they give you things guaranteed that are worth about a buck, which is not exciting but then you have the possibility that maybe there's a ship in there and it's just in there gratis some of the time but of course people buy it because there's a chance of the of the free ship so that way it's technically not gambling technically dan moritz on facebook wrote in i'm glad the game has lockboxes because a lot of people do enjoy them and it nets a nice profit for the game's development that being said i generally don't play them I usually only fly faction-specific ships, and if a box has an item I want, I just buy it on the exchange. Again, I'm sensing uh, a theme here. Yeah, the theme yeah. is the theme is I don't have, I don't like gambling. I don't like to feel as if though my financial investments or time investments in Star Trek Online, you know, wither away when I can just e just as easily buy the item straightforward out with EC. For almost the same value. Well, the whole EC versus real money thing, that's, I, I think, part of the beauty of the Star Trek Online's economy is that if you have time, spend the time grinding up EC. If you have the money, buy the keys. People that don't have the time, give the you, you put the keys in the game, and then the people that don't have the money, they buy the keys off the exchange with, with EC. So, I mean, I think it's part of the beauty of the, of the way the economy is designed with the three different currencies. From the Star Trek Online forums, Dragon Rider wrote, For me, the lockbox contents would be nice if the average person could have a better chance of getting the items they spent their hard-earned money for. As it sits now, then no. The lockboxes don't interest me because I don't like the gambling aspect. If I wanted to give away my money, I mean gamble on the lockboxes, I would go to the casino to give them my money. You know, I remember Al had a, you know, felt bad about this. I remember Al was what expressed how disappointed he was when people felt that when they used the key, that whatever the return was from that lockbox was just was undesirable. Which is why they, which is why they introduced low buy, partially. I mean, that's 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 pretty much the only incentive right they gave was the low buy uh but no, I, no, know, no. I still feel that no no I, I mean the, the low buys the low buy thing is absolutely true but also people grew up and organized around the ec exchange mechanic that's the part that i really think because you can buy you can sell stacks of those lower tier prizes for ec now you can sell the 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 uh the box right because i think when it first came out you, it wasn't a package right it was just a ship and it just unlocked in your account and boom you, you had it but once they introduced that trade mechanic where you was it was you put it on the exchange, I think it the utility of it became more apparent to the audience in general. And yeah, I remember Al was 
broke up about how people didn't like Blockbox. They thought they had they had it tweaked, but it, it took time. Well, the thing for me is, um, I think the point, one of the points that Dragon Rider makes is that you want to get the item that you spent your money on. Now, if, and okay, I'm going to say I don't know what all of the, the odds are, but if on average, if there's a really awesome ship in there, and on average, it's going to cost somebody 40 to $50 to get that really awesome ship then that's across the whole player base is a decent return because a, a normal ship is going to run you about $30, isn't it? So if it's a super special ship, you should expect to have to pay a little bit more. Some people are going to get super lucky and some people aren't. But I don't think that the the general consensus is that you spend $50 and get that awesome ship. It's more like you spend $100 or over $100 no, it's not even and that. you still it's not don't even get that. that. It's, that, it's that you don't know, right? I could cough up $100 worth of, of actual monies on keys and open boxes and never get the ship. Yeah, but you'd, but if you buy it with EC, you know that you can right. buy it. You know I mean, that provided that it's right. available, you know, you pay X amount, that's that's what you do. And we'll know about that Infinity Lockbox if we ever see it again. I mean, we'll know it worked for Cryptic if they run that promotion again. What they and what this was. Oh, it's running right oh, now. Is, is it going back on? Is it back on? Oh yeah. yeah. As, oh, yeah. as we on. as we record, it's ah, running okay. right now. I think it'll be finished by the time it comes then out it next worked week. For them. I mean, I mean, I mean, it means that what what the the response they got the, in the Dilithium market, and then people buying Zen, and then people uh, you know, putting things back on the the exchange, it worked for them. So, yeah, and they and they are updating it, so they add new things to it on on occasion because it's not it's not completely up to date with the contents of the latest lockbox. It's a few back, and they don't add every single ship and every single everything, but they are updating it and moving it on. So it is clearly something that's working. Sean Newboy wrote on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Wonderful show, everyone. Even if Kenna and Elijah had way too much fun saying engaged together. As far as lockboxes, I only care for Romulan ships. Or it's just... As always, our listeners provided some great conversation on all of our social media outlets. Keep those posts coming. We'd love to hear what you have to say, and your engagement is one of our favorite parts of doing this podcast. Well, that wraps up episode 302 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community question for this week. What would you hope is discussed and or addressed in a DS9 documentary? And unofficially, what do you think about the discovery delay? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. We're waiting for you, Chris Keen. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a single piece of news from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 10 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for the details. And if it wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. 
This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies or Trekkers. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world's space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Niall Fernandez, with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Sweet Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Check it out in three, dos, uno. You're not supposed to say the one. <laughs> but this just completely threw me off entirely. Okay. Can you, seriously though, can you count me in again? Track <laughs> it out in three, two. Ultimately, I think most players won't use many of these traits except maybe to try them out. But like I said before, captains with some s'mores. Some s'mores? Some s'mores. Mm, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Maria Rosso and executive producer Stephen Rizzotto. Riz- I, I think I was going to say Risotto. I don't know why I was going to say Risotto. <laughs> I keep on thinking it's Tony that's talking. You're going so fast. Let me slow down. What's the hurry? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Environmental artist Nick Dugud, a.k.a. Dugid. Nick Dugid. Not Dugud. What the? Dugid? Yeah, it's Dugid. Not Dugid. It's Dugid. <laughs> Not for tofu. Not for tofu. <laughs> Environmental artist Nick Dugid, a.k.a. No! Not Dugud. What the heck was that? Dugid. 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 Dugid? Dugid. Dugid. <laughs> Guys, get ready for Elijah's going to like super overperform this bit because he clearly hasn't read it. This week, Microsoft announced. Microsoft? What? <laughs> what? This week, Microsoft announced a special promotion. That means that some start. <laughs> Just keep listening to Priority One for more news and updates from Star Trek Online. And be sure to keep your eye on the show notes for your script and what you're supposed to say next. Ooh. Elijah. Seriously? I- oh. Tony, Tony, hold let's that, stand back. That, hold let's up, stand back. No, no. I'm hold getting that. in on this one. <laughs> I don't have any popcorn, but that's what I'd be doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
freaking popcorn next right. show. I'm just going to, I'll, I'll tweet this later. <laughs> Got the perfect burn. Don't want to forget it. Don't want to forget it. Don't want to forget it. <laughs> Look how much stuff I'm doing. Oh my God. I'm doing so much stuff. My sixth screen right here. Right here. I've got it right here. I hate you guys so much. You know, with friends like you. Can I? With friends like yeah, you. Can I, I have one line left. So can you just keep it down? <laughs> Chris Keen from Facebook says, Less because it's all the same stuff with a different spin. But one thing I loved about Lockbox is it's getting cross-faction consoles. This is dying off because more and more consoles that come with ships are specific to that ship. You're welcome, Chris Keen. You're wow, welcome. Chris Keen is actually listening right now. He's actually listening um, live right now. Yeah. What a what a start to Friday morning for Chris Keen. Wow. 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 <laughs> All right, can you read that? Can you no. read that without sounding like your Oh, no, 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 no. that's got to go in like that. No, that's got to go in like that. No, it cannot go in yes, like that. Can. You know the last time? Know. Do you remember the last time that we used an accent? We got James James Lee got a very strong I'm not doing an accent. I'm doing Chris strongly Keen. It. I'm doing Chris right. Keen. His reaction on Facebook. I, I can't. I don't have Facebook up. There's, there's, there's definitely laughing emojis. Yeah, yeah. There's I'm definitely laughing emojis. That's good. I'm doing Chris Keen. And no, that's not true because right. the last time in did an accent, I was doing you. I was doing Cuban. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, and then you got a strongly worded email from me. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, level of professionalism High five for Tony. podcast has declined considerably. <laughs> <laughs> you shall be reviewing your status as host. Signed, Elijah. <laughs> oh, man. Right around feedback is where the show really just takes a nosedive right, yeah, right, yes, right yes, into yes. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and from Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell wrote, more generally, is the lockbox model in Star Trek Online... What? I'm laughing at Jason. Uh, Jason's comment in the, in the Facebook. He goes, next Chris Keen voicemail will be Chris Keen doing a Tony yes. Hunter impression. Yes. <laughs> this must happen. Good Lord, this I hope so. Happen. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, anyway, because this is gonna go. This is gonna go so far. Chris Keen's gonna like paint a goatee, a beer with a sharpie. <laughs> Put on a little ball cap. Sharpie his face. Oh man. Can we? Can we carry on? We're like not quite halfway through. Uh, Feedback. Yeah. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes. Actually. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. That should be what that should say. God, I hate that so much. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies or Trekkers. We don't discriminate. It's your, it's your support that keeps us what? going. Kenna, if you could do me a favor and just stick to the script... <laughs> So that that way we could we have to, we could get through. We these. have like two more paragraphs, okay? I'm trying to die. Two more paragraphs is all we have.